Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Jake Smalley. How are you doing, Jake? I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to talking some Italian football once again. Yeah, good to have you on as always. And Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I am well, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, well, we, we had some big games this weekend, didn't we? I think um, all European football fans had 24th October sort of circled in their calendar because it was a bit of a mad weekend across across Europe with football. Uh, we're going to start with Sunday night's game, Inter v Juve, Derby d'Italia, always a massive clash. Uh, and I'll come to you first, Jake, because I know you have, uh, you know, you're, you're, a, you're an admirer of Inter. Um, champions last year against the team that's dominated Italy for much of the last decade, ended one all. We'll get straight to it. The 89th minute penalty decision. Um, I know this has caused plenty of debate. Um, if you can be as unbiased as possible, I suppose. What What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I thought it was a bit of a joke, to be honest. Um, it's It's really hard to say because I've watched it back two or three times since and I can kind of understand the idea of it being a foul. To an extent, I think Dumfries gives the referee decision to make it a bit clumsy, sticking his foot up there. I can see that. But if you're monitoring the game as a whole and you, and you see that the referee's already seen the incident three or four yards away, completely waved it off and carried on playing. And it's the magnitude of it. If intro 2 0 up and it, you know, it gets pulled back and it's 2 1, it makes no difference. But it's literally cost into two points. So when, you, when you talk about similar decisions throughout the season, not a lot of those have been overturned. It's probably the first major incident that all season that's been really overturned. And I just find it really odd. I don't think Juventus would have scored. I don't think into a brilliant second half. I thought they eased off. And in, in terms of the bigger picture, I think that's what Inter have got to look at. They eased off a little bit too much. It became a bit too straightforward for Juventus to create chances. Not they created anything great, but you always run the risk at 1-0. You can give away a silly penalty like that or an own goal, you know, a goal comes out of nothing. So in some ways, I think from an Inter perspective, you've got to look at it as a whole. The substitutions that were made by Inzaghi were poor. Weak in the side, he took Perisic off, who's probably arguably alongside Darmian, Inter's best player. You know, they took him off and it weakened the side considerably. Granted, it's a tactical decision. Players might be a bit tired too. Uh, but if you look at it from that sort of perspective, poor substitutions, bit of a negative sort of style of play in the second half. They sat off, didn't really create anything themselves. So in terms of the penalty, I thought it was a bit of a joke, but I, I, I kind of understand it to an extent in some ways. I just think given the magnitude of the game, the situation that was happening, I think it was a call that didn't need to be made. Uh, and I think it's weak in the referee's position too. I think uh, obviously we know about, uh, you know, refereeing in Italy and how there's always this scepticism, Francesco. Um, it's an interesting point that Jake makes that originally it wasn't given. And we've seen this season that the sort of threshold for overturning decisions, it, as he pointed out, it's been quite rare. So did you think that it was a clear and obvious error from the referee that deserved to be overturned? Because from one angle, it didn't look like there was much in it. From another angle, it does look like Dumfries kicks the bottom of Alexandro's boots. Well, that is where the, the controversy is. Um, I think that once the referee, once the VAR gets involved and they go and look at it, then he's always going to give a penalty because that's the kind of threshold that there's been. Um, 
any kind of contact in the box if you don't get the ball is going to be a penalty if VAR looks at it. But um, I'm not sure that it's a clear and obvious error. I think, as Jake says, the referee gesticulates that he's happy for play to go on. None of the players seem that bothered about it. You all go into players, they all just carry on, you know, for a minute or so. And there aren't massive claims from the Juve players, maybe Alexandra a little bit, but I don't think anyone else really claims a penalty. So I, I think uh, it's the kind of foul that probably shouldn't be a foul. I think in a pre-VAR era, it wasn't a foul. You know, we're talking about two or three years ago, not a long time ago, where this kind of contact just, just wouldn't have been considered a foul. And um, but, but once the VAR has a look at it, it is a foul. So the controversy is the fact that why have they had a look at it? Because it is probably not a, a clear and obvious error. Having said that, the phrase clear and obvious error is obviously subjective. So if someone decides it is a clear and obvious error, then they're going to get them to have a look at it. It's, it's a gray area. I think in, in the referee's, I don't know if it's in the referee's defense, but in terms of the, of the severity of the foul and the contact and how it affected the game, i.e. not at all, because the same thing would have happened whether Dumfries touches um, Alexandro or doesn't, it's quite similar to the penalty that Inter had last week. Um, I think the contact is, is the same as, as where Barella goes down against Lazio. It's, 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 they're both penalties that, for me, shouldn't be given, but in 2021, once VAR gets involved, they always are. Yeah, in, interesting points there. Um, and I, I think this will this will cause plenty of debate. Obviously, the last couple of weeks, we've had, uh, as you mentioned, the Inter one against Lazio. We had Juve-Roma last weekend as well, which caused a bit of controversy. So these penalty incidents are always, uh, always up for debate. Um, looking at the game as a whole, Jake, I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of Inter players. Uh, we saw Dzeko score again, and he's had an outstanding start, which, which has meant that Inter haven't massively missed uh, Romelu Lukaku, actually. But at the other end of the pitch, we saw Handanovic with with some sort of shaky handling at times, and and whether that was affecting Inter's defence a little bit as well. What what are your thoughts on those players? Because you know both well into their mid thirties now. One still coming up trumps. One looks like maybe he's a little bit past his best, and should Inter look to bring someone in pretty soon. Yeah, I think in terms of Handanovic, now's the time to put him out to graze, really. I think definitely over the last 12, 18 months, he's, he's absolutely done. I think it's it all sort of started maybe sort of 18 months ago. I remember watching them play against Torino at San Siro. He dropped one right on Bolotti's head. And I thought, oh, that's very un-Sammy-like. And he went for a really dodgy sort of spell after that. He had a couple of decent games last year. played well against Milan, played well against Juventus, both at San Siro in key games. Uh, he was quite good in the uh, run to the Europa League final as well, but it's he can't even catch the ball anymore. It's it's a bit sad, and it's it's a shame it's come to this. I'm glad that he's been able to be part of a team that's actually won something, because for many years he was probably into standout player alongside Icardi in a team that was a bit of a joke. So I, I do feel a little bit sorry for him, but he just looks absolutely spent. It's you, you see it a lot. I mean. As a Preston fan, you know, a little bit of a random comparison. We got David Nugent back a couple of seasons ago and he was an absolute joke. And I, I feel sort of similar vibes now watching Handanovic. He's just, he can't catch, he can't push anything away from his goal either. And it's going to cost him to, it already has a little bit at times. So 
Andre Arnold has been linked. It looks like he's going to be an option that's going to come in. And I think he'd be a really good replacement as well, to be honest. Uh, in sort of years gone by, to might have had a bit more of a plan to this. When Handanovic came in, he came in for Julio Cesar. You know, both of both the players with the club at the same time. So it was obvious Handanovic was going to step into those shoes. But given the financial situation, change in management, that, that foresight's not been sort of held with this situation. So I think they'll stick with Handanovic until the summer. And then Onana will come in. And in regards to Jekyll, he's been absolutely fantastic. My only worry with him is he can't play 90 minutes twice a week, every week. It's just not going to happen. And into no adequate sort of backup in his role. They've got Sanchez to come in for Lotaro. But they could do with somebody to replace Jekyll. And maybe that's something for January if there's any money lying around. So he's, he's really impressed me, Jekyll. I think he's been fantastic. He maybe just needed a bit of a shot in the arm. He got a bit stale at Roma, but... He's not got to be 35 years old playing two games at that level every single week. I did not expect a Sami Handanovic David Nugent comparison tonight, but we do want to give you exclusive content <laughs> on this show, and that's what we've got. So, so thanks for that, Jake. That's 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 an excellent one. Um, but yeah, it, it did seem that Handanovic did struggle yesterday. I, I do agree um, with your verdict. With your verdict there, um, we're going to move on to another draw from Sunday evening. Another big game. Uh, Roma Napoli. Francesco ended goalless. Um, now, for Roma, this has just been a bizarre week, really, hasn't it? Losing 6-1 to Bodo Glimt out of nowhere in the Europa Conference League. Um, Mourinho's comments after that game, he basically sort of suggested that his second string team is rubbish um, and he, he doesn't trust them at all. Um, first sort of cracks appearing already and is that, is that a big worry? We've seen this before with Mourinho's sides. Is, is that how you interpret it? Um, I think with Mourinho, I always get the feeling that he is constantly trolling all of us. Um, I think he he knows what he's doing and he, he says things very deliberately. Um, he's done this kind of thing in the past. Sometimes it's gone for him, sometimes it's gone against him. Um, and I, I feel like the, the, the Bodo game is... Is, uh, it's kind of inexplicable. It's not clear really what happened. So I don't really think it's an accurate reflection of how good this Roma team are. I think yesterday's game is actually a better reflection. I thought they were they were solid and they were, you know, they they gave Napoli a match and I think they deserved a draw. Um, and I, you know, with Mourinho, I think he's he's box office. I, I like him. I, I, I think he's a decent manager, but I, I also think he's very entertaining. And I think overall he is good for Roma. Um, I think his biggest problem this season is just that his team is not... Is, for me, there are five sides who have a better squad than Roma in the league. And that, that makes it very difficult for him to get into the top four. And it feels like that would be the achievement that they're looking for at Roma this season. I think if you qualify for the Europa League, that is probably on par with where Roma are, but it's not really, you know, good enough, I suppose, for, for the fans. So that's the difficulty he has. Having said that, they are currently in fourth place and I feel like they have an outside chance of doing it. So all things considered, if I was a Roma fan right now, you know, I still think they're going to go through in Europe. I think they'll get out of that group, no problem. They're fourth in the league. He's he's a he's an exciting, you know, guy to get behind. I think when he is managing your club, people tend to warm warm to him. So, 
Yeah, I've got no problems with Mourinho. I think he's doing okay on the pitch. I think the Bodo game is a is a hiccup, and um, yeah, he's a, he's entertaining. So I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I I quite like Mourinho as well, but it it did seem very random last Thursday. I think he said yesterday after the Napoli game, they asked him what sort of team you're going to put out against Cagliari, and he said, well, it will be the same eleven. So I wonder what the rest of his players are thinking, because certainly left about half of that starting lineup against Bodo in the stands yesterday. Um, he's he's already sending out a clear message, but but they did bounce back well. Um, on, on Sunday evening. From a Napoli perspective, Jake, uh, they stay top on goal difference. Uh, Koulibaly came out after the game, I think, and said that this is actually a decent point for Napoli away in Rome. Um, do you agree with that? Or do you feel that after Thursday's result, uh, Roma was sort of there for the taking and maybe this is a couple of points dropped for Napoli? Well, Roma played all right, to be honest with you. I think he can pretty vindicated with that. I think a point was a fair result based off the game. I think if you look at it solely from a Napoli perspective, last couple of weeks, they have tired a little bit. They found it a little bit harder to win. It's convincingly, they, they sort of scraped to one against Torino. Granted, they hit the crossbar and a goal disallowed them with the better team. But I think over the last couple of weeks, they found it a bit harder to grind them out. And how many teams have we seen win 30 out of 38 games? It's just, it's just not going to happen, is it? So there's going to be a time where they're going to drop some points and you know, mentality-wise, I think they'd be happier to draw away in Rome against Mourinho side, who's smarting a bit after being humbled in midweek. So, I think it's a decent point. I think based off the game itself, it was fair. Uh, it's just how they sort of push on. Now they've got a couple of decent fixtures coming up. So, you know, we could be looking at 12 games, time 11 wins, one draw, no defeats, and they'd be, you know, probably top of the league at that point. So, I think it's a decent point. Uh, I think... Spalletti might have a bit of making up to do after he was ridiculously sent off though at the end of that game. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I have no idea. That might just be something that could be a bit of a hangover. But other than that, I, th I think they could be pleased with the point. Yeah, I think there were about four managers sent off this weekend, if if not more in Syria. So, um, yeah, there seems to be a bit of tension between the, the sidelines and, and the officiating. But uh, but as you say, yeah, it looks to be a solid point for Napoli. And, and that's three goals conceded in nine games. Um, so Koulibaly and, and the rest of that defence doing, doing an exceptional job for them. Um, the team that, that are now joint top as well are Milan, uh, who, who beat Bologna 4-2 on Saturday evening in what was a, uh, a crazy game, really. Um, Bologna had two players sent off. Um, Milan went 2-0 up. It looked easy, got back to 2-0. And then Mil Milan had to get a couple of late goals to, to see it through. Um, Francesco, from your point of view, have there maybe been a couple of worry worrying signs the past week for Milan, given they were dreadful against Porto last week in the Champions League and then really made tough work of this win against Bologna? Um, I think that the, the issue for Milan is just the fact that they are missing quite a few of their most important players. Um, certainly the, the guys that have been doing the job for them this season. Um, if you think that they were without... Brian Diaz, Teo Hernandez, Kessier. Um, they were all missing this weekend. And when you are missing your best players, it eventually it will, you know, it will take its toll, I think. The the most positive thing for Milan is the fact that they I think this week they have been rubbish. Uh, in all three of their games, really, they've been pretty rubbish. And yet they were the only team to win this weekend out of the top six. They've actually joined Napoli at the top of the league. So 
considering the situation they're in in terms of the the players that they've been missing, I think they've prob- arguably been the team that's most affected by player absences this season. And now they're joint top of the league. Um, I, I feel like play. You know, they, I feel like they were a bit lucky this weekend, but overall they must be over the moon with how things are going to be joint top of the league, considering how badly they played over the last couple of games and still be picking up wins. And with all those players to come back, I think Milan are in a, in a, in a possibly a better position than they, they deserve to be, but also in a, in a great position. Yeah. Considering everything that's happened. And it also looks uh, like they might, uh, you know, finish bottom of their Champions League group, in which case we could have a similar situation to Inter last season, where they get to focus purely on uh, domestic football in the second half of the season, which, which could be an advantage for them. Uh, but an- another side that has European football, of course, Europa League, is Lazio. And um, they were hammered this weekend, weren't they, Jake? 4-1 by Verona. Uh, I want to look at Verona first, because... All their goals were scored by Giovanni Simeone, who, of course, uh, is Diego Simeone's son. So he's always had quite a bit of, you know, sort of fanfare or, or, um, you know, people know about him, of course. He's played at Genoa, Fiorentina, Cagliari. So he seems to be at that sort of lower mid-table club. Can you ever see him kicking on from there and possibly playing for a better team? Or do you think that's about his level? I think, to be honest, Verona's the perfect place for him. Uh, I was hoping from a Verona perspective, because I follow Verona quite closely last sort of 18 months or so, that they get similar sort of tune out of Kevin Lasagna, because I think he's a similar type of player in terms of there's a bit of potential there. Some people see something in him, but Lasagna's not really kicked on. I mean, Simeone, it might just be, you know, this game, he might not sort of kick on, but I think it's the perfect place. And I think people have expected quite big things of him when he was at Fiorentina, he had a decent season in double figures. And, you know, Everybody knows what it's like at Fiorentina. There's ambitions to be sort of a top eight, top six club without a doubt. And for the last five, six years, they've not managed that. So there was a bit of pressure put on him. He went to Calgary. They invested a lot and absolutely bombed. So Verona's probably the perfect place for him. As long as Verona stay up, you know, without being patronising, they're, they're, they're quite happy with that. You know, if they can finish top half, they're delighted. So if he can get a run of games in that team, which looks a really exciting team at the minute, bizarrely, given how absolutely shocking they were the first few games, you know, it could be a really good sort of arrangement. Similarly to with Caprari that they've got as well, he's another player who's really good, who's not quite found a bit of a niche um, at other clubs that he's been at. So for a hipster's sort of point of view, you want to watch Elas Forrest, some really good players there. Faroni, um, Lazovic has played really well this season as well. They're, they're a really good little team to watch. They're plucky. Well, they have been since Di Francesco left anyway. So I think Simeone's better off staying where he is. You know, the, the pressure that comes at playing for a top side, it's it's not it's not worth it. Yeah, I like that you mentioned uh, Gianluca Caprari there because I, I, I've quite liked what he's done the last few years. And I thought he was always a little bit underrated at Sampdoria as well. And he got a couple of really good assists in this game. Um Francesco, from a Lazio perspective, this was an absolute shocker, wasn't it? And, and not for the first time this season. We saw a similar type of performance against Bologna a couple of weeks back. Again, straight after a European game. I've seen a report that Sari actually asked the players after the Bologna game, do, do you want me to be sacked? Which, which sounds like there's clearly some sort of dressing room unrest. Are, are you quite concerned for... Sorry, already only a couple of months into this job. 
I am because I feel like he is the kind of man who can get under people's skin. Um, I saw this week that there was a bit of a thing because Luis Alberto had, had liked to post by a Lazio fan saying that Sari was uh, an idiot, um, paraphrased, because he thought that Luis Alberto and Milinkovic Savic couldn't play in the same team. And uh, the fact that players are using a public forum to almost criticise the manager is is not a good look. Um, I, I it, it feels like the players aren't on board with what Sadi's trying to do. Um, and and also that the way he's changed things has also meant that key players like Luis Alberto is, has arguably been Lazio's best player for the kind of past two or three seasons. And players like Lazari as well, they're, they're not getting as much game time as they have been. And under Inzaghi, you wouldn't have considered those players ever being dropped. They were so crucial to what Lazio were doing. So, you know, it doesn't, what you, what you just said about Sadi there saying, do you want me to be sacked? It doesn't really surprise me that much. I think sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, managers just don't work with certain dressing rooms. And if, if there are several players who don't like what he's doing, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, that overall, I, I'm starting to feel like that their good performances are the outliers. I feel like to lose four 0 against Bologna, four one against Bologna, and and to lose three nil, uh, sorry, against Verona, and to lose three nil against uh, Bologna, they are pretty poor results. And um, yeah, it is it is a worrying time for Lazio, I'd say. Yeah. And, and the only reason they scored this weekend was because the goalie chucked the ball in the net. That was absolutely abysmal goalkeeping. Um, but as you said, you know, they've beaten Roma and they've beaten into this season. So they they can play well. But but yeah, it, it seems that these shocking performances are coming uh, more and more regularly. Um, we then have Atalanta, who've had, who've had a huge week, haven't they? But it just hasn't gone in their favour. They had a 2-0 lead against Man United at Old Trafford and they blew it, losing that 3-2. Uh, possibly slightly unfortunate to lose that. Um, and then drawing one all with Udinese this weekend. What, what do you make of Atalanta, Jake? They've had quite a few injuries. We've seen Gorsons injured. We saw Demiral do his hamstring last week against United. Is that what's costing them or do you feel like there's something slightly off besides that as well because they just haven't clicked into gear at all yet have they this season well I was tipping Atlanta to a bit of a title push this year but the more and more I see them week on week I just don't think that's going to happen I think the injuries have played a massive part I think especially in Golson's case he's a massive player probably the best left side player in that league definitely was last season I think he's a big miss I think they were a bit unlucky against United to be honest I thought uh, given the chance they created, they should have sort of blown United out of the water a little bit earlier. And we, we know, having watched them the past few years, they're always susceptible to conceding goals. I watched them against Empoli last week and some of the forward play was brilliant. I thought, wow, this is Atalanta. you know. And then they go and concede a bit of a silly goal and they, they were on the ropes a little bit in that game, sort of 10, 15 minutes. And you thought, they're always sort of licensed to concede that stupid goal here and there. And mentality-wise, they seem to crumble. If plan A works, it works really, really well. Like, like it does the majority of the time. They can just destroy teams. But take a few players out. As well, we discussed this a few weeks ago, there's a bit of transition going on in that squad as well too. You know, the moving away from the Gomez-Ilicic sort of partnership that pushed them on so well. 
and uh, they're trying to sort of blood a few more players into this side. They've recruited really well, but it's it's a case of getting those players to fit in together. Players like Coop Miners, who I thought would come straight in, walk in and be absolutely fantastic. I watched a bit of him last year, but he's not really kicked on yet. So I think we're going to have to be sort of a bit patient with them. One thing that I will sort of say, though, is whether Gasparini will be patient enough because he's a man who likes to flip his lid a little bit. And I think if sort of results start to go a little bit against them, which... You know, for what it's worth, I don't think they massively will, but it could all end in tears like it did a bit with Gomez. Yeah, Francesco, would you, would you like to add something? Yeah, just for me, one of the things as well that's um, that's causing them problems in more recent games is the fact that Daron is having to play in defence. I think Daron and Froiler together in midfield are so important for Atalanta. And Daron, when he's in that position, he's, he's probably one of the most underrated, underrated players in the league. Um, and I think that is, they really missed him. Be, I know he played against Man United, but they missed him in midfield against Man United, especially in that second half. Um, and as a defender, I'm not sure about him. So I think not having him there is, is causing them problems. And the other thing I'd say is when you're in a situation like this where you're missing important players like Gozens, be a bit more consistent in your team selection. That's what I would say to Gasparini. This weekend, they started with Malinovsky and Zapata, but both of those players who, for me, should probably be starting every game at the moment, didn't start against Man United. And I think, and he played Pasalic in a deeper role game this weekend, whereas he played him kind of behind the strikes against Man United. I think when you're missing some players and you're having to change your team around, especially in defence, why not give a bit of continuity everywhere else? So, so play those, you know, I, I play Malinovsky all the time for, just for the time being, you know, I there, we're only nine games into the season. I know that people need to rest, but I'd expect these players to be able to play a few games in a row and just have a bit of consistency to the team selection, which is probably going to help when you have to leave out other players and move other players around. Yeah, I think another thing that's hurt them is, you know, second half of last season, we saw Zapata and Muriel playing together and that looked a phenomenal partnership. But they barely played together at all this season. Um, so, you know, whilst they look like scoring four or five every game last season, it's been ones and twos this year. Um, so, yeah, not quite clicking for Atalanta, but of course they'll get the chance to turn that around in midweek with the games coming thick and fast. Um, and so, as we've been speaking about, the usual sort of big seven that we've seen over the last three or four years, we've got Lazio not doing well, we've got Atalanta hit and miss, Roma a little bit hit and miss. And so, on Friday, we saw Torino beat Genoa 3-2 and Juric seems to be building something at Torino already, Jake. Do you think maybe they're a side that, that could push that top seven? Um you know, possibly pushing for the Europa Conference League or Europa League this season? Given the sort of floundering prospects of the other sides, potentially, but I think to end up a year too early for that. I think I've no doubt that Juric will build a side that's capable of finishing top seven. I think if you look at the squad, there's some quality in there, but it all depends a little bit on Bellotti. We've not seen much of him this year. The is a slight chance he could go in January because he's not going to sign a new contract about looks things. He'll be gone next summer. So if he goes, you know, will that sort of impact? Uh, I think if they can give him the funds to work with and let him build a team, I think Urich could make Torino a really good side again. And I think that's what he himself had in his mind when he jumped from Verona to Torino. There's probably more resources for him to work with. It's a bigger club. You know, they've got a bit more history behind them in terms of sort of top-end titles. So I think Torino is a bit of a sleeping jack in that league in some aspects. You could really push them to be in the top side. And I think 
Juric is such a good manager. I think he'd really build a good side if given time. I still think the best side outside the top six or seven on paper is Sassuolo. I think the quality of the side makes them a little bit better at the moment. If anyone's going to break and I think it's them, albeit not been massively convincing of late, but the, the depth of their squad players like Berardi, Jeremy Boga, Raspadori, Skamaka, you know, central are a little bit weak, but the attacking quality they've got in their side, you know, Juracic, I've not even mentioned him there, Fratesi's coming this year and been good, Maxime Lopez, I think they're a bit ahead of Torino, so if anyone's going to break into it, if they can hit the straps, it'll be Sassuolo, but for what it's worth, I think Juric is the man to give Torino that opportunity, for sure. They certainly seem to be going well the last few weeks. Um, from a Genoa perspective, Francesco, they've been involved in some thrillers recently, some, you know, four goal, five goal, six goal games. The thing is, they haven't actually been coming out the right end of most of those games. So it's good from an entertainment perspective, but is it maybe, is, is that the right approach or are they being a little bit foolhardy and could that perhaps cost them come the end of the season, do you think? Um, I think Genoa want to. To me, it feels like the a lot of the teams who are in the bottom half last season in Serie A have got their act together. You know, Fiorentina, Torino, you just mentioned, and that means that there are fewer candidates to go down. I'd say that Genoa are one of those teams who risk going down, and um, I don't know about. It feels to me like they. I, I don't know how they could change things. I'm not sure that if they did make things more defensive, that would necessarily be more successful for them. Um, they have got some good attacking players. I think Destro is second top scorer in the league at the moment. Um, he's having a great start to the season. Caicedo got a goal this weekend. So they, they've got some goal scoring potential. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. I, I, I've got a feeling that they are going to be in a, in a relegation battle right till the end of the season. Yeah, interestingly, you mentioned Caicedo there. I still can't believe that Lazio let him go. When you look at how thin that squad is, that 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 looks more and bizarre, more and more bizarre by the week. But yeah, you're right. He got a goal, but um, unfortunately for Genoa, they came out on the wrong end of a 3-2. Uh, we had a 4-2 as well this weekend. Uh, Empoli beating Salernitana. Uh, Jake, that moves Empoli up to 10th place. Um it's not that unusual for a side that's promoted, you know, one of the three sides to have that sort of flashy start. And that's what Empley have done. Can they sort of continue this and maybe hope for a mid-table or possibly even like a 10th place finish top half? Or is it all about survival for them this year, do you think? The main goal's got to be survival. If we look back 12 months ago, Benevento started pretty well. And then they won one in the last 21 games, something ridiculous like that. So I think they've got to think about survival first. That's the most important thing. I do like the way they play, though. I think they're really attacking, really expansive. And, you know, I, I'd love to see Pinamonti push on this year. He, he's a decent player. He's been in the shadows a bit at Inter. You know, he played really well at the weekend. Patrick Catrone, someone who's been talked about as being, you know, a future sort of goal getter for Italy and it'd be really good to see those two come on strong they've got some really good uh, attacking players some really good midfield players I like the manager as well Andrew Zoli so I'd like to see them do well I think of the promoted sides they're quite considerably stronger I think Salonitana will 100% get relegated I think Venezia will struggle too so the only hope is that Empoli sort of push and I think they will stay up barring a massive collapse I think they will what will stop them from sort of finishing in that mid-table spot is that bit of naivety 
I watched them against Atalanta last week, like I said, and you got walked through a little bit at times. I know a lot of teams do by Atalanta, there's no shame in that, but they were a little bit sort of naive for me. I think if they can solidify themselves a little bit, I think they can finish mid-table for sure, but they've got to just focus on staying up. They've become a bit of a yo-yo club. They went up and down and up and down, so they just got to make sure they stay up first and foremost. Yeah, playing some cracking stuff so far, though. So, really positive start for Empoli. Uh, a couple of other sides who were down uh, sort of near the relegation zone, uh, zone Zampdoria and Spezia. Um, there was there was a lot of talk that there was pressure on Roberto De Bursa going into this game. Uh, I know Massimo Ferrero came out and gave him the dreaded vote of confidence, which means that he probably was under pressure. Um, Francesco, they managed to pick up a 2-1 win. How sort of important do you think that result was? And, and, and do you think it's maybe a bit deserved considering they've actually played quite well for much of this season, it seems? I, I would agree with that. I feel like so far they haven't picked up as many points as they've deserved. They've put in some decent performances and they've had quite a few tough matches. Um, I think they've already played uh, three or four of the top six or seven. So they uh, the disappointing thing was for Samp was that they weren't able to pick up as many points when they played teams around them so this win is important um and i'd also like to underline how how good a start to the season Candreva's had uh, i he was in, he scored the second goal he kind of got an assist uh, well it was his cross that led to the first goal as well so yeah he's uh he's looking really good he's been their best player of the season and i expect to samp to to climb away from the relegations then I, I don't think they're going to get down i think they're going to be fine yeah sampdoria seems to be the place for sort of veterans to roll back the years doesn't it we've obviously seen qualiarella seemingly getting better and better the nearer he gets to 40 so and candreva seems to be having a bit of a resurgence as well so that's that's always good to see um a team we've mentioned a couple of times already uh fiorentina as a, you know aside the finished bottom half last couple of seasons but they seem to be pushing up and getting better they, they comfortably beat Cagliari 3-0 this weekend. But I also want to touch on how they, they lost to Venezia last week. So, Jake, I, I think we've been largely positive about Fiorentina this season. But but are you fully convinced by them under Italiano? Or did that display against Venezia sort of maybe set them back and show that they're still a little bit flaky at times? I can agree with that, I think, given the fact that they were so poor against what is a poor side as well. I've seen a bit of Venezia and they, they, they are full of energy and full of spirit, especially at the ground. I think a few sides will go there and struggle this year because of the intensity of it. Um, but they're a poor side. So to get beat sort of quite comfortably by them, it shocked me a little bit. I had... Dusan Vlavic is my fantasy captain, which annoyed me a little bit that week. So that was a bit disappointing. But I think as much as anything else, it's just a reminder that you look at a side that was sort of fifth, sixth bottom last year and the year before nearly got relegated as well. You know, it's, it's a club that's been for a bit of a hard period as well. David Astoria side, things like that. It's not been straightforward for them. They've sold Chiesi, they've sold Bernardeschi. They lost Valero a couple of years ago in Vecino when they were key players for them. So they sort of floundered a little bit. It, it, they're in the right hands with Italiano. I think his style of play suits them perfectly. They've got some really good players there. They'll probably keep Vlavic for this season as well, which will be key to them. I think it's just a reminder that they're not quite ready to challenge at the top end of the league yet. But this year should be about them trying to finish at the top half for sure. I, I disagree with Jake a little bit about this. For me, Fiorentina 
you know, they are the, I know that Jake mentioned Sassuolo. To me, that the only side that really looked like getting into the top seven out of the others would be Fiorentina. I think they have a very good squad. I think they massively underperformed last season. And so far, Italiano's been able to get, um, you know, almost the best from them. I know that they lost against Venezia, but I also disagree a little bit about Venezia. I think Venezia looked like a lively side, not the easiest to play against. And I do think that was a blip. I think that Fiorentina generally have been very good. Um, I think all things considered, that the Vlaovic situation is not really causing many problems. He seems like he's totally up for it still. And um, Italiano seems to have complete faith in him. Uh, I really like Gonzalez. He's come in and done well. I also think that um, players like Torreira are excellent signings. They've got some really decent uh, defenders. They've got some experienced players like Piraghi, Bonaventura, who also do a good job. Um, and, and Italiano's also rejuvenated players like Saponara, who had another great game this weekend. So I feel like Fiorentina have... Um, but, but yeah, if, if I was to pick a team that could get into that kind of top six or seven who we probably weren't expecting, it would be them. Yeah, certainly, certainly a, a step in the right direction for Fiorentina this weekend. And and then the final game of the weekend that we've got to cover is uh, Sassuolo-Venezia. Uh, Venezia took the lead in this game, but uh, Sassuolo going on to win 3-1. Um, they, they had a really dodgy period about a month ago, Sassuolo, but I think they've just had one defeat from their last four games. They were maybe a bit unlucky to lose that against Inter as well. So, Jake, I know you're quite high on Sassuolo. You think they've got quite a lot of potential. Um did you see positive things this weekend then that makes you think that, that they're starting to get a bit of momentum going, perhaps? I think it was a straightforward game for them, so I won't read massively too much into it. Uh, I think potential is probably the best way to describe it. I mean, I mentioned earlier that the, the quality of the players they've got in their squad that they've assembled is is pretty terrific. I think defensively, I do worry a bit about them, especially in centre-half. I like Ferrari, but Kiriches is just an absolute liability. Uh, Kinshili is a good goalkeeper. Uh, I think in terms of the midfield options they've got, even losing Locatelli, they've got some really good players in there. And we know in those sort of forward, sort of four or five positions, that they're pretty phenomenal. You know, Barad, it's just an absolutely criminal decision that he's not playing for a top side, really. I mean, I, I massively admire his loyalty. But I was just looking at their fixtures. They're away at Juve in midweek, so that'll possibly shunt their progress a bit. But post that, they're at home to Wembley. They play Udinese away and they play Cagliari at home before they play Milan and Napoli. So if they can get anything at Juve and get some promising results from those next three games, they could really push on a little bit. It's still a little bit early for me, but I think based on the attacking quality they possess, that they're potentially a side that could break into that top seven, I think. Of course, it was a big summer change for them, uh, changing managers and Locatelli going as well. So, yeah, it, it, it seems to have taken a little bit of time for them to start clicking again, but but positive signs on the weekend for them. Uh, and that brings us on to, we've got a midweek round coming up, guys. Um, not any huge fixtures standing out to me, but but of course we'll get some great action. Uh, that's always the case with Serie A. So, Francesco, can you point out a couple of games that you think we should be keeping our eye on? Yeah, I think Milan-Torino is an interesting one. This Torino very recently have caused a lot of problems to Napoli and Juve. They didn't actually come away from either of those games with, with points, but I think they are, as we've mentioned, a very solid side. I think Joric is a smart manager, and I think 
if Milan play like they did against Bologna and against Verona, then they're going to be in trouble. So I think that's an interesting one. And the other one is um, kind of Lazio against Fiorentina. Um, I think it's a big game for Lazio. And it's also, it could represent kind of Fiorentina definitively taking them over, at least at least right now. Um, it feels like Fiorentina are a better side and that would cement their place in the top six and, and push Lazio down the table. So that feels like a big one as well. Yeah, that Milan-Torino game, uh, obviously we're recording this Monday night, guys, but I'm interested to see what the team news is for Milan because I think maybe Teo Hernandez and Brahim Diaz will be back from their, uh, uh, their 10-day quarantines. I think it'll be touch and go, but I think they might just be back in time for that, which would make a huge difference for them. Uh, how about you, Jake? Any any games standing out? You mentioned Juve Sassuolo, which could perhaps be a good one. Anything else that stands out for you? I think it's a bit of a left field option. You've got Spezia against Genoa. I think it's a game that's got a lot of stigma both of those teams, both looking for a win. I mean, I'm expecting Ballardini to go in a few weeks, maybe if they can't sort of get anything going and then probably come back at the end of the season and keep them up anyway. But uh, I think if, if you're looking at that game, both teams are going to look at trying to get three points out of that. I think Sampdoria Atalanta might be a good game as well. I think, you know, Atalanta want something out of that uh, and Sampdoria will make it very difficult for them. So that's another game that I'd probably pick. But looking at the fixture list, you can make cases for all the games a little bit. You know, Mourinho's got a trip to Calgary. They should win that, you'd imagine. But if they don't, there's more question marks. You know, it's, it's a really good league to watch this year, to be honest. It's hard to pick uh, any game, really. There's so much riding. You can look at every fixture and think, well, he's missing for them. You know, that could be an interesting game. So, you know, it'll be a really good midweek, I think. Yeah, so as you say, some really good clashes at both ends of the table. Venezia Salonatana looks like it could be a decent one as well. Two newly promoted sides who, who've been in some quite entertaining games this season. So uh, should be a great midweek coming up. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Uh, pleasure having you on as always. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.